I just want to make real sentences. Okay. Welcome to the first ever episode of Fireside Stories. This is your host, Katie Shambaugh. I hope that you're all staying safe at home and keeping peace with your quarantine mates, ready to cozy up by the physical or metaphorical fire. Today's stories come from Galen telling the tale of the scariest mountain ever, and Alex and Hannah telling Hannah and Alex leave for a trip. Now, without further ado, here's Fireside Stories. It's the true tale of an excursion that my family and I took. We hiked up Beehive Mountain in Acadia National Park on Mount Desert Island. And I went on to write about this experience. I drew this cute cover for it and it got laminated as, you know, you're writing in elementary school is. <laughs> um, since I'm the only one who can see it, um, I'll describe what it looks like. Um, so the front cover is drawn with colored pencil and marker, and it's got some trees in the foreground and this like towering, looming mountain in the background with like your classic sun in the corner and in big capital letters I've written the scariest mountain ever by Galen Lindauer um I'm like I'm looking at this and I'm like pretty proud of my nine-year-old self's ability to like fill in all the white space okay the scariest mountain ever I looked at the sign that was in front of the trail. It said, Beehive Mountain Trail. I wondered for a moment why it was called Beehive Mountain. But then I looked up past the trees and saw the semicircular mass of rocks with little people struggling up its narrow paths. I felt excitement flooding through me. I love to climb. I was in Acadia National Park with my dad, my mom, my sister Anna, my brother Sam, and my cousin Maddie. At that moment, we were reading the safety sign. It said, Mountain contains some very steep paths and some small ladders and bars to hold on to. My mom read out loud so that everyone could hear. Ladders and bars, I thought. Goody. Five minutes later, we started up the mossy, stone-strewn trail. I walked quickly, impatient to start climbing the mountain itself. When we finally got to the base of it, it loomed over us like a giant rock, which it was. Then, my excitement came over me. I jumped onto the first rock, and started climbing. Everyone else followed. As we climbed higher, the path became skinnier and the use of iron ladders and bars came into action. I was starting to feel scared now. 
The chances of falling off were increasing, but the flat tone of everyone's shoes hitting the rock was comforting. So I grabbed the ladder that was in front of me and started climbing. When we got to the top, I couldn't stop grinning. The view was fantastic. I saw thousands of little houses, including one especially big and old one, surrounded by trees. In the distance, you could see the Atlantic Ocean sparkling in the sunlight. I knew that this would be a day to remember. I'm sure I got an A <laughs> on this paper. I read this and there was a couple parts that just really stood out to me. Like, I have never said goody. And I'm just throwing in these cool sounding descriptions and I don't know if I, I can't remember if I'm like wrote them myself or if I'm copying <laughs> at this point. But I'd like to think that I invented these. It really makes the, the experience really stand out. I'm just so interested in my nine-year-old self and like, I'm just learning how to be a writer. You know, the one sentence that really sticks out in this story for me is, is the one that goes, then my excitement came over me. I jumped onto the first rock and started climbing. Everyone else followed. Like, I was the first one to jump on that rock and start climbing this crazy mountain. Like, I had no fear. And I, I admire that so much in my nine-year-old self because, you know, I have anxiety. So I struggle with that now as an adult. You know, obviously, like, I would climb a mountain. Hiking is really fun, and I can assess the risks and, and um, you know, decide to climb Beehive any day. <laughs> but I feel like this is just a nice example of just how brave I feel like I was when I was younger. And I love that. Like, I love that. I just had an amazing time on this scary hike. Like, I think I definitely had more fearlessness, but that comes from a bit of naivety. But that's, like, as a child, that's a great thing. Like, I want to have that back. So the one takeaway that I really want to share in sharing this story is that I just hope that I can embody my nine-year-old self more in, you know, everyday life, especially, especially during this challenging time. And, you know, my nine-year-old self almost gives me more confidence because, like, I know that I used to be this way and in a way I still am. It's just... There's a lot more going on now that I'm older. But this little story was a reminder that I am brave and um and I can have fun taking risks. <laughs> and it really was a day to remember. 
<laughs> Is that too cheesy? <laughs> gotta end it somewhere. I know. I feel like I got, I don't know, was that too deep? Was that too depressing? Did I ramble? Katie, you can tell me if I rambled. You can edit out that rambling. I don't know. Just put in what sounds good. <laughs> So um, Alex and I had planned this trip. I think I instigated it, but we were both excited. Um, and I had done a lot of, my specialty for trip planning is getting us there. I'm pretty good at that. And so I had planned all of this stuff. We were gonna drive to Boston. We were gonna park and take the tea in because it was cheapest. And then we were gonna have dinner with my friend and then we were gonna get to the airport. We we're gonna do it all on public transport once we got down there. So I was really excited about this. And things went pretty smoothly. We got to the T with minimal stress about driving through Boston. We got on the train with the little, you know, we did the ticket with the Charlie card and everything. And uh, we had a great dinner in town and we got to the airport. <laughs> um, so uh, once we got to the airport was when things started getting uh, a little bit challenging. So uh, this was a late night flight because it was cheapest. And um, oh my goodness, it was was it midnight it was like, to four? Yeah, it was midnight to four. So we were. But that's fine because it's cheaper. <laughs> It'll be cheaper. It would be cheaper. That was the point. Um, we're waiting for the airplane. And uh, um, lots of people waiting for the airplane. Lady next to us, you know, we're paying attention to the other guests. She's got her phone out and she's listening to, it seems like, choir music. My guess would be it's maybe her family or something. But she was getting very emotional about this choir music. Yeah, I mean, I was... I was trying to sleep, so I had my hat pulled down. I'm trying to get some shut eye before we get on the plane, and and this this is full blast. This is full blast it's, on the cell phone. It, the the cell phone is turned up to 200. And I turn to look at her, and I'm gonna say something like she's right next to us. I'm gonna say, could you put some headphones on? But she is holding the cell phone with her eyes closed in reverence, and like I can't. I can't tell this lady to turn her phone off. She is like having a religious experience. There's a moment. She's having a moment, a very There's long a moment. moment. Um, time to get onto the plane. Great. We get in line. We get on the plane. We get in our seats. Uh, and this is pet peeve of mine. There are screens. There are screens in front of us, and you cannot turn them off. And they're showing you advertisements for things that I don't want, but that's fine. Uh, flight attendants come on to do the safety check. Uh, they get their microphone, they're talking into it, but it's not really working. There's some, there's, uh, they're cutting in and out. Uh, and you can't really hear it, but nobody really cares because they don't want the safety check. Um, but the screens in front of us are tied into the microphone system. And every time that the microphone thinks that it's on, the screens in front of everybody flash. 
and even after the flight attendants hang up the phone, it's still not sure whether it's hung up or not, and everybody's screams are flashing in front of them. Um, and this is like, nobody is saying anything. <laughs> but it's, it's past midnight, and we're about to take a flight that goes until 4 or 5 in the morning, and everybody's screens are flashing white and black in front of them, and everybody's thinking this is going to be a very long flight. Very long flight. And we taxi out to, the, to, the, uh, to get ready for takeoff, and flight attendant comes back on the same microphone that's not really working and says, the microphones aren't working. <laughs> As if we had just noticed this right when we're about to take off. And it's a federal regulation that this needs to be fixed before we take off. So we taxi all the way back to the terminal. Great. I guess I don't want that flashy thing in my light, uh, flashy light in my face the whole time. Um, and they say they've called for the mechanic to come and fix the microphone. And then they say that the, the ramp thing that people walk on to get to the plane, which the mechanic needs to get to the plane, is broken. It won't go out to the plane. So, but don't worry, they have called for another mechanic to fix the ramp thing so that the other mechanic can come get to the plane. Finally... Oh, gosh. So we're sitting there. We're waiting for the mechanic to come to fix the stairs so the other mechanic can get on to fix the screens. And, and what do we hear from behind us? Everybody is getting a little antsy. We've everybody's been on, getting a little We've been on the plane for a while. But sitting right behind us... Sitting right behind us, we hear the religious music. It's her. She's right behind us listening to the religious music on her phone. The full, the 200% volume phone is sitting right behind us. And we're thinking again about suggesting the headphones. Um, finally, uh, the ramp thing gets fixed. I'm sure it has a name. And then the mechanic gets to the plane and discovers that, yes, the microphone is broken. And so he is going to get a replacement uh, and a lot more waiting. He comes back, he fixes the microphone, and uh, gosh, somewhere along here, a gentleman gets irate. Oh, well, yes. And has to be taken off the plane. That's right. So so everybody is, while we're waiting, it's, uh, it's just like, you know, hot in the plane. Everybody's tired. And this guy, like 10 seats ahead of us, was getting agitated. And he was yelling at his seatmate about some issue. And he got so agitated, the flight attendant came over to say, could you please calm down? He didn't calm down. And um, he got so agitated that they decided to kick him off the flight. So then, Every time that something happens, the flight attendant, there was this one flight attendant, and you could tell it was like his first flight. He was super chipper, but he did not, like, <laughs> he didn't know what to say. He would just get on and be super chipper and ramble about what was happening. Um, and so, like, every time there was an issue, we'd have the flight attendant come on. And so finally, everything seems to be fixed. And then... We get the flight attendant on telling us that they have to uh, 
take the guy's luggage off. So then we have to wait for this agitated guy to get off the plane and to get his luggage. Um, in the end, we finally were able to leave. Um, but that's uh, our story about leaving for a trip. <laughs>